ladies, it's Brittany Brazel. The Lord has given me a passion for motherhood and homemaking. From that passion, a ministry has birthed no higher calling. There is no higher calling on my life than to be wife to Simeon and mama to my littles. I still have so much to learn, but as I continue to grow, it is my desire to share the truths God is teaching me. Hey ladies, welcome back to the No Higher Calling podcast. I'm so excited about today's episode because it is a summary of my quarter two reading challenge. So I set a yearly reading goal for myself. This year is 50 books. And then each quarter I get on here and update you with what I have read over this past quarter. So I can't believe we're already halfway through 2022. Where has the time gone? Um, but the past six months have held many good reads for me. And I enjoy getting to share that with you all. Um, maybe you're an avid reader and you're just looking for your next book, or maybe you don't read very much, but you think, hey, maybe it's time for me to start. These are some great books that would be awesome to pick up and just jump in with. So I have read some really good books over this past quarter. Linked in the show notes, you will find um, a corresponding blog post that has all the links and summaries and my thoughts for each one of these books. But I just want to kind of go through them, bullet point through them, and share with you what I've read, just some general basic thoughts on them. And like I said, maybe you'll find your next read through this episode. So without further ado, we're just going to jump in. I am joined today by my little Willow. She is currently asleep. So if you hear any grunts or newborn sounds. I have a podcast guest, just a semi-silent one. So anyway, let's go ahead and get started with the books that I have read for quarter two of 2022. The first one is Women Counseling Women by Elise Fitzpatrick. I gave this one four stars. This was actually a book that was written by kind of multiple different authors who come from different backgrounds, different ministries, different personal experiences, and they write to different issues that women struggle with. Um, so I, I enjoyed this. It gave a really solid um, Bible perspective, Bible answers for sins that are really a struggle for women in our culture today. As someone who is in ministry, um, I found this book to be very helpful, um, especially as God has just been opening some different opportunities for me in the realm of counseling um, and encouraging women. It was just a really good overview of some of the things that we struggle with and what the Bible has to say about that. So I definitely enjoyed that one. Um, and the next one that I read is Love and Sex by Nancy Houston. So I thought this was going to be more of like a marriage intimacy type book. And that's not what it was. It was very different. So it actually kind of gives this hypothetical story about all of these different characters that are intertwined. Um, and then from that, it also gives like portions of each chapter where she kind of addresses the reader. So, okay, let me back up. So there's all of these different characters that have all of these different pasts that might include abuse or sexual sin or abuse that led to sexual sin. Um, just a, a whole gamut of different sexual things that these people had had adapted as part of their lifestyle that were not in accordance with God's word. 
So in each chapter, it kind of continues along this little storyline that she has with these different characters. But then at the end of each chapter, it kind of addresses the issue um, and gives, you know, some biblical principles and things like that from it. It was very, um, I don't know that interesting is the right word. It was a difficult read. Um, A lot of the characters, their stories and their backgrounds were just heavy content a lot of hurt, a lot of scars, um, and just heartbreaking reality of where things in the past had then matured and led into their adulthood. Um, so it was interesting from a counseling perspective. Um, you know, if if you're dealing with people that have struggled with these things or have had different types of abuse, um, it gave some good thoughts, some things to think through as you would try to help someone like that. But again, coming to it thinking it was a book about, you know, marriage intimacy as God intended totally kind of threw me for a loop. Um, So I don't know that I would necessarily recommend reading this, but if you are at all, you know, trying to help somebody that has a past of sexual abuse or dealing with people with sexual sin. Um, it did give a few nuggets that were helpful that I kind of tucked away. Um, but overall, not really a book that I would ever pick up again. Um, then the next one is When God Writes Your Love Story by Eric and Leslie Ludi. So this was not my first time being exposed to Eric and Leslie Ludi. They, uh, Leslie has the Set Apart Girl ministry, um, and that has been a blessing to my life over the past, really the past decade or so, as I have been aware of them. Um, But this story was just, or I'm sorry, this story, this book, When God Writes Your Love Story, was such a good read. You know, I remember the days of waiting and trusting for God to bring my husband into my life, and they were not easy days. And in that season, I really felt like I am never going to find the God, the guy that God has for me, which brought in like, okay, well, what is my responsibility in that? Should I like be actively looking? Should I be dating around? Um, how do I trust God to write my love story? And I'm thankful God helped me trust him in this area. There are ways that I wish that I would have trusted him more, but he did help me to be patient and to wait on his best for my life. And I I got that and I have a beautiful love story and we've shared that on the podcast before. And I'm thankful um, for Simeon and for the marriage that God has blessed us with. But as I reflect on this, you know, this season and the previous one and just the gratitude that I have to the Lord, you know, my marriage is not perfect at all. Simeon, I think, would echo the same thing. We don't have a perfect marriage. We're two imperfect people. You will never have a perfect marriage um, as it's just two sinners joining lives together and, you know, striving to live for Christ. But um, we do have a beautiful marriage and God's blessing has been on our marriage as we have tried to obey him and follow him. And I'm so thankful for that. And this book was just a wonderful reminder that when you do things God's way, it is always the best way. So this book gets a high recommendation from me, especially for my single lady friends. If you are in that season of waiting, trust God. He knows what he's doing. He hasn't forgotten about you and has, you know, just didn't notice that he hasn't brought somebody along your path yet. God has a perfect plan and his way is always best. And, you know, the Ludies give uh, some insight into the sweeter song that Christ gives when you make him the lover of your soul. And then when you trust him to bring along your earthly lover. And it was just, it was such a beautiful book of really falling in love with 
our Savior first and foremost, and then trusting Him with your heart and with your emotions and ultimately with your life. The next book that I read was Comparison Girl by Shannon Popkin. She has another book, Control Girl, which I read a few years ago. And man, that book just hit the nail on the head for me as control is something that I do struggle with because I like to have control of my life. I don't always naturally um, give the Lord control. And so I really enjoyed that. So when I saw that she had this other book, Comparison Girl, I picked it up and it was really good. You know, I've even been working through this in my own life. You know, the author talks about uh, how we compare our lives often to a measuring cup. And, you know, it has those little markers on there on the side. And, you know, sometimes we're like, well, you know, she's a five ounce glass and she's an eight ounce glass. And, you know, I'm only a two ounce glass or, you know, whatever, as we compare with each other. But it was so interesting that she talked about when you turn the measuring cup on its side, when it is pouring out, those markers no longer matter because they're not stacked in a hierarchy. It's just the measuring cup is doing what it was intended to do, which was to pour out. And then she equates that to our lives. You know, are we consumed with measuring up with people or, you know, how do I measure up to so-and-so or, you know, what am I doing compared to this person? But Jesus presents us a very different example. He wasn't consumed with how he measured up in the eyes of those around him because he was so focused on pouring out himself for those people. So when our measuring cup is pouring out, the lines no longer matter and they no longer hold significance. And the book just addresses ways in which we measure ourselves in different things, different areas like sin, wealth, our appearance, our ministries, our status. And she challenges you to live that poured out life, to not focus on comparison, but to focus on taking in from God, spending that time with him, investing in your relationship with him, and then pouring that out into the lives of others. And just the challenge that when we're pouring out, the issue of comparison isn't a a big controlling factor in our lives. The next book that I read was Evidence Not Seen by Darlene Diebler-Rose. And it was so interesting when I posted on Instagram, I kind of post as I read, I post on Instagram and I have a highlight reel of all the books that I have read on there. So if you missed the blog, it's always on Instagram there. Um, But when I posted that I finished this book, I had so many messages, people messaging me saying, that is my favorite book. That's my favorite biography. That's my favorite missionary. And It was a powerful, powerful book, a powerful testimony of Christ's faithfulness and love in spite of unimaginable circumstances. Just the reality that her resolute faith and courage that she had in in circumstances and situations that were so difficult, like none of us have ever had to live through. Um, It really challenged me in my own walk with the Lord and my thinking, you know, what Am I willing to go through for Christ? Would I give up everything, every comfort, every, um, you know, just normal courtesy as as we have in first world countries, um, every right, everything that I think that I'm privileged to? Am I willing to give up everything, even my life for the Lord? And this was really a challenge. You know, my favorite story from this book is when Darlene was locked alone in a prison cell and hadn't had a proper meal in a very, very long time, sick, weak. She looks out of her cell window and sees this lady with a banana. And she just wanted a banana so bad. She just started craving it. And she prayed and asked God, I'm paraphrasing, but she said something to the effect of, you know, God, if you could somehow just get me one 
banana. All I want is one banana. There's no way in my mind that you could get one banana in here, but if you could just get one. And, you know, she ended her prayer and was kind of just laughing at herself, thinking, what a silly request to ask of God. There's no way a banana could get in here to me. Um, But I fast forward through the story. I won't give away all of the details. It wasn't too long after her prayer that next thing she knew, she had an entire bunch of bananas. Actually, I think it's said in the book over 90 bananas that she got. Um, and, and just the miracle of what God can do. And it says in there that before she even took one bite, she bowed her head and was crying, asking God to forgive her for her lack of faith. Um, but but I loved that story. Just the reminder that no matter where we are, so many things here, no matter where we are, it is not too far from God. God can get to us wherever we are. He can minister to us wherever we are. And then there's no prayer that we could pray that is too insignificant or too impossible for him to answer. And God delights in answering all of our prayers, but I I think it has to bring an extra smile to his face, the things that we think there's just no way this could happen. And then God just says, watch me. And so that was a very challenging missionary biography that I enjoyed. Then the next book was Mama Bear Apologetics Guide to Sexuality by Hilary Morgan Ferrer and Amy Davidson. So this just recently came out. Um, They have a book called Mama Bear Apologetics. They have actually a whole ministry around that. Um, And that book was really good too. But this one is a new one that they released just specifically dealing with sexuality and our culture today. How do we prepare our kids to face a really a sex crazed culture? Um, and I, every mama needs to read this book. The authors do an amazing job at bringing out the different sexual agendas that are being pushed on our very young children in our culture today. Um, they define words and ideologies, some stuff that like our kids are being taught in grade school and I don't even know like what they mean. These different genders and definitions and things that our kids are growing up learning is normal. And then I think sometimes we as parents aren't even kind of aware of some of what the world is pushing onto our kids. So they define words. They talk about these things. And then they go beyond that and they show you this is what the Bible says. This is what God intended. And this is how you can talk to your child to equip them to one, know what their conviction is based on the Bible, know where they stand, but also how do we engage with this when we are surrounded by a world and a culture that deems this as truth? Where do I stand? How do I stand? Um, and, and they just did such a good job. I also loved that they gave very biblical foundations for their arguments and presentation of truth. Um, but on top of that, they also gave a lot of scientific and medical research, especially in the areas of gender transitioning, pornography, and the effect that it has actually on the wiring of the mind, um, the breakdown of language. They go into a whole section about how just our, our language has broken down over the years, redefining things. And again, all of those looking at it from a biblical perspective, but also looking at it from a scientific and medical, like what is this actually doing to the brains of our children? How is this affecting their bodies for the rest of their lives? And it was so interesting. I really think I found it most interesting in the area of pornography, just the reality. I believe they said that the average exposure to porn now is eight years old 
which is hard for me to wrap my mind around, um, just the innocence that is being robbed from our children at such a young age now. But she talks about, you know, these are pre-puberty. You know, these are our little kids that have not matured, have not grown to adulthood. And introducing these things into their minds can actually completely rewire how they think, how they uh, respond with relationships, how they will respond later um, in marriage, in, in a sexual relationship. So it's just very eye-opening and just a reminder that we have to be vigilant. Um, Satan is after our kids, and this is a tool that he is using, um, at least in our Western first world. And we need to be equipped to train our kids and to help guide them to truth. This is a wonderful tool to have in your toolbox as a parent as you seek to raise your kids for the Lord in the middle of a perverse culture. The next book that I read was Wild Things by Stephen James and David Thompson. So both of these men have years of experience working with men and boys and counseling. Um, But beyond that, they're also dads to boys. So all of that has earned them a lot of experience in different facets of the journey that a boy makes to manhood. Um, so this this was interesting. So it's called Wild Things, but it's, the subtitle is The Art of Nurturing Boys. So they divide that journey from little boy all the way to manhood into different stages based on age. And they discuss different changes that the boy is going through, ways that parents can navigate those changes, and how parents can best support and encourage their child in that season. Season. Um, they give glimpses into boyhood, adolescence, and then eventually into manhood, challenging mothers and fathers to do their best to help keep their or to help their boys bridge those gaps between those different um, kind of developmental leaps. And then the very back of the book has some practical information on handling different things that boys are facing, um, pornography, video games, just different things like that that you would encounter with having a son. Um, So as we have a little boy, Simeon and I, as we have our little knocks, it was a good read to just um, kind of, I mean, he's little, he's almost four, but as I think to the future and raising him and trying to raise a, a strong man, um, a man who will work hard and take care of a family and ultimately to love and follow the Lord. Um, this was an interesting book as it had some insight on that journey that boys make to manhood. The next book that I read was Let Them Be Kids by Jessica Smart. I read another book earlier this year by Jessica Smart, Memory Making Mom, um, and it was fabulous. So I had to pick up her book, Let Them Be Kids, and it was really good too. Nothing like revolutionary that I had not heard before, but it kind of tied in different things that I've read and been exposed to in different facets and put them all in one book. and was just a really good reminder of some stuff that I know in my heart and I believe, but sometimes just in the of life we forget to implement. Um, But it was just really focusing on those childhood years and how precious they are and really embracing the the specialness of those childhood years. Um, and, you know, this ties into some of the other books that I've talked about, but our culture is pushing kids to grow up long before 
They should. It is robbing their innocence. And this book encourages parents to just embrace the beauty of childhood. So each chapter presents a different gift that we can give to our children. Um, now I'm going to list some of these. Some of them may not sound like a gift, but as she wrote about it, I was like, you're right. This is a gift um, when handled properly. So if you hear one and you think that's a gift of childhood, you'll have to read her book and see what she means. Um, but I preface all that because the first one that I'm going to list is boredom. Yes, boredom is a gift to our children. Again, read the book and you'll see why. Um, being uncool. You don't have to fit in with everybody everywhere. It's actually a gift that we can give them to not breed conformity in their minds as they're these little children. So boredom, being uncool, imagination, balance, uh, grit, hard work, manners and kindness, family, innocence, and faith. These just different gifts that we can give to our kids. You know, Jessica Smart is a, really, I have enjoyed her books. She's very easy to read writing style and just gives some really practical advice on how to implement the different things that you're reading. The next book that I read was The Well-Watered Woman by Gretchen Saffles. So this one got five-star review. You know, as I was reading that, I think if we're honest with ourselves, we'd agree that though we might look like we have everything together, we might often find our souls thirsting for something more. Is there more to just the busyness of life, the routines and ruts that we fall into? Is there something deeper? Is there something that gives a deep satisfaction, a lasting peace and joy? Um, just a, a you know a foundational bedrock thing that whatever is going on, this is my anchor. This is what I cling to. And the answer is yes. And they just found in the person of Jesus Christ. Gretchen does a beautiful job of reminding us that Jesus is a deep well that we can draw all that we need from. And that as we dig into our His Word, as we dig into His Word, it ministers to our souls, giving our thirsty hearts the refreshing water He alone provides. She talks about in the well-watered woman. Um, she gives a lot of plant illustrations, and one of the things that I really found interesting and so true as I got to thinking about it is how she talked about that growth isn't always something that we can visibly see. You know, we don't have a plant and measure it every day and be like, oh, well, you know, you didn't grow at all yesterday, so you must be dead. We're going to throw you out. Or, you know, even that seed, there's growth that happens under the soil that we don't see. The plant's growing. Actually, a lot is happening to that little plant, but we don't see that above the surface. And it's the same in our lives. Sometimes we have seasons where the growth is visible, where the growth just takes off so quickly, so much that the Lord is doing and changing and stirring in our hearts. But then there's some seasons where you don't see as much growth, but that doesn't mean that we stop watering the plant, that we dig it up and just say it's done. No, we still put in the labor. We still are faithful at attending to that, at cultivating, and you will see the fruit from that. And as she kind of illustrated, took that illustration and equated it to our lives, it's the same way for us. You know, if you're in a season where it feels dry, where it feels like there's not much happening, there's not much growth, it's not the time to give up. It's the time to continue to invest God's word into your heart to keep moving, to keep serving, to keep following him. And he brings the fruit in his time. Speaking of fruit and plants, the next book that I read was The Family Garden Plan by Melissa Norris. If for no other reason that this book was just absolutely beautiful, get it for the aesthetics. I mean, there were so many pictures all throughout this gardening book of 
of the author and her family at their garden, her gardening, um, just her plants, her crops, her harvest. And it was just be every page I would, I would turn it and be like, oh my goodness, what a beautiful picture. Um, but aside from that, it was jam packed with wonderful, helpful information on having a garden. I have actually never had a garden of my own. My mother-in-law does a huge garden. So I've just always felt like, why spend my time doing it when she does it and gives me her stuff? Um, But when we settle in in Australia one day, I really, really hope to have a garden. I hope to teach my children how to garden. My mother-in-law is really good about that, about just bringing the kiddos up into the garden and teaching them. So they probably actually know more than mommy does. But when I start my own garden, I'm going to have this book probably by my side at all times because I have no idea what I'm doing. But it just step-by-step to help work you through what you need to do. Um, I'm a very organized person. I'm a very um, planned-out person. So this book was great for that. It had charts. It had diagrams. It had, you know, things to help you work through. Okay, if I want this type of harvest, this is how many crops I need to do, and this is how I need to lay it out, and just so much helpful information. Highly recommend that book. The next book that I read was The Lazy Genius Way by Kendra Adachi. So my sweet friend, Sarah Boots with All Together Lovely, she's been on the podcast several times. She is actually doing a summer book club. And this was the book that we read for June. We've been talking through that, discussing through that as a group. And it has been so much fun to participate in that. But this book was just a really great read, a very helpful read, um, a well-written book. So I got through it way faster than I expected to, but I'll just read a little bit from the back of the book. This is what uh, is the summary of the book, the first little paragraph. It says, the chorus of shoulds is loud. You should enjoy the moment. Dream big. Have it all. Get up before the sun. Track your water consumption. Go on date nights and be the best. Or maybe you should ignore what people think. Live on dry shampoo. Be a negligent PTA mom. Have a dirty house. And claim your hot mess like a badge of honor. It's so easy to feel overwhelmed by the mixed messages of what it means to live well. And I don't know about you ladies, but I do feel like it. I tend to fall in either camp. Like I'm either in what she calls this genius camp where like everything has to be perfect. Everything has to be running smoothly and beautifully. But that's not reality. Everything doesn't always run perfectly. So then we tend to flip-flop to the lazy side and be like, well, if it's just going to be a flop, then we're going to embrace the flop and just not even try. But she really encourages you. So the lazy genius way is to be lazy about the things that don't matter to you and to be a genius about the things that do. So the to you part is important because what you might not deem as important, I might think is pretty important, or vice versa. Um, You know, some people having a messier house doesn't bother them. I cannot function if I don't have a tidy house. Now, I didn't say a clean house. It doesn't have to be sparkling, but I need to at least be able to walk down my hall without stubbing my toes and tripping all over toys and dust bunnies and everything else. But you know, that may not be your thing. You may have something else, but figuring out, okay, what is important to me? What is less important and what isn't important at all? And how can I implement different things into my life to help me be able to succeed at those things that are important and the things that aren't, I'm just going to let those fall by the wayside. 
So she gives a lot of practical advice, different things to think about as you kind of work through that. Um, so definitely recommend that book. It was it was a very good read. I enjoyed that one. Next, I read Choosing Forgiveness by Nancy Lee DeMoss. Um, this was a very good book. Last quarter, I had mentioned that I read um, Elisa Turkhurst book, Forgiving What You Can't Forget. Um, and I was not a fan of that, so much so that I will not be reading any more by that author. Um, but just quick recap, it was very, as far as forgiveness and approaching the topic of forgiveness, it was very self-help um, motivated. You know, this these are physical things that I did to recover from my hurt. You know, writing all my writing all of the ways that I've been hurt on a note card and then tearing it up and, you know, burning it or whatever. And and maybe that works for you. And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing, but I'm saying that writing all my hurts on a note card and tearing it up isn't going to solve the bitterness or the anger or the resentment that comes with being hurt, that comes with the need to forgive. You have to have a biblical foundation for that. Um, so that's what that book was lacking. But that's what I found in Nancy DeMoss's book, Choosing Forgiveness. I mean, she just gave scripture after scripture and laid this biblical foundation for this is why we need to forgive. This is how God has instructed us that we can forgive and that we can move beyond the hurt. Because I I would assume most of us have probably lived long enough to realize that hurt is a part of life. Um, people are going to hurt us. We're going to hurt other people. You know, not only do we need to extend forgiveness, we're going to have to ask for forgiveness in our lifetime. And how to handle that in a biblical way was addressed in this book. And it was just, um, it was very refreshing, especially after having read that other book previously in the year. The next book that we read, oh, I say we because Simeon and I actually read this together. So I had mentioned that my reading challenge for this year is 50 books. And we also had the challenge that Simeon and I were going to read one book per quarter together. And so this quarter, he picked the book Ezra, Leading the Return to God by Clarence Sexton. That is actually our pastor. He pastors the Temple Baptist Church in Powell, Tennessee. Um, So I don't know if you've heard of Crown College. That's where we went to school, but that's kind of the ministries here. And our pastor just recently published this book. This is his newest book. And it just takes you 13 chapters through the book of Ezra, really like a deep dive into this book. And I think I'd be safe to say that it's probably not a favorite book of any of us listening to this episode. And it might not even be a book that you've ever read or ever read much. I know it was not one that I had spent a lot of time in. So it was good um, to kind of mine out the truths that God had in this book as Simeon and I read through that together. Um, Because even though they're minor prophets, they're not minor in message, God has something for us in those books. Sometimes it just takes a little bit more work to dig that out. So having this book as a guide um, was so helpful. And it it was just packed with scripture too. Um, A lot of it had, you know, excerpts from Ezra in it. So we were reading scripture and then just reading these different truths as our pastor tried to really dissect the book. Um, So it was very helpful. 
Then I'll wrap this up with just sharing a couple of our family read-alouds from the last quarter. We did not read as much this quarter as a family. We have just been busy with new baby and traveling and transitioning into summer. But we did read two books. And that is The Wild Robot by Peter Brown and The Wild Robot Escapes, which is kind of the second book, the sequel, I guess, to The Wild Robot. And this was so much fun. We actually listened to this on audiobook. Mainly Eden and I. Um, Knox joined in periodically and we talked about the story all the time. So what he missed out listening on, I think he kind of got the majority of it as Eden and I would talk about it. But the story is about a robot that gets stranded on this island and she has to adapt to her surroundings. At first, the animals are terrified of her. Um don't really want to have anything to do with her. So she tries to learn their ways. She learns the animal language so that she can speak to them. And she begins to adapt to this new environment. Well, long story short, she winds up falling in love with this island. She loves her life. She has all of these animal friends. She winds up adopting a little goose named Bright Bill. Um, But at the end of the book, which... This is a spoiler warning, so if you don't want to know what happens, just turn the podcast off, and I will join you ladies next week, but if you want to continue hearing, um, at the end of the story, these other robots come, and they hunt her down, and they capture her, and they say that they are taking her back to the robot factory where she was made, that she was never intended to be on this island, um... It's actually, I didn't mention at the beginning, she actually gets shipwrecked there. So there's kind of this mystery as to what was her initial purpose? How did she get here? Why did she get here? Um, but so these robots come and they capture her and they take her away from her beloved island. And that's where book one stops. Then we pick up with the wild robot escapes. So she's been taken back to the factory. They sell her to a farmer. She was actually intended to be kind of like a work robot for the humans, um, a, in particular a farming robot. So she's with this uh, this farmer and his two children. Um, the wife had died. They're struggling to keep this farm afloat. So she's there to help them take care of this farm. Well, she winds up having this relationship with these two kids but then she remembers her home and she winds up coming across her adopted goose son bright bill again and realizes that she needs to go home that the the farm is not where she belongs so the kids help her and she starts this long trek back to the island um i i won't even give any more spoiler than that there's some little twists and turns along the way as she tries to get back to the island you almost think she's not going to get there and then some really unique things happen that change the story plot and it all has a happy ending um but Eden and I just it was a fun story we loved kind of the intrigue of you know what's going to happen next and it just kind of seemed to go from disaster to disaster there for a little while um but then kind of getting a surprise ending in both books so it was a fun family read aloud we really enjoyed reading the wild robot and the wild robot escapes so that is what I have been reading in this past quarter like I said maybe you heard something that you said hey that's what I'm going to pick up next. That sounds good. So I'd love to hear if any of those interest you, if maybe you get one, um, share it on social media, tag me, let me know. I would love to hear your thoughts on these books. Or if you're reading something else, I'd love to hear what you're reading. If you have a book recommendation, I am always 
looking for another good book to read. So feel free to send those to me. Um, But I thank you ladies for joining me on today's episode. And I look forward to joining you back on the No Higher Calling podcast. I hope that this episode has brought much glory to Christ, encouraged your heart, and strengthened you to be the wife and mother that God has created you to be. Thanks for listening.